Welcome back to uh, welcome back to another episode of Mita Unshackled, and uh, thank you for joining us here in the studio, Murray Stein from the Halo Infusions. Your your screen went off here. Um, Got to push <laughs> all kinds of technical difficulties. We're okay. Shout out Halo. I'm here with uh, Destiny Blanco, and we have Woodstock, the soul of Mita, and Yoda. He's leaning up against Yoda today. The wisdom of Mita. But we're here with a very special guest, Murray. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is a thrill for me because I get to talk, interview you and talk a little bit about the history of the industry. You are one of the OGs. Let's start with your involvement in the industry, how you first got started. Then we'll get a little bit into the products that you guys are, are doing and what Halo is. And then a little bit about what's happening next. You bet. Um, really, I got started with uh, uh, some of the early folks. We knew about the initiative back in 2010. Um my partner at the time uh, had an opportunity with a particular property, so we decided to, to make some applications. Uh, as we got d- more deeply involved in it, um, we ended up becoming uh, um, connected to a number of other players. So at the end, we wrote 13 applications, and we won about eight of those. This was oh, the wow. Gordon Hamilton Dispensary Network Association. Yes, Day, yes, Gordon. Yes. All the OGs. What yes. year was this? This would have been 2010, 2011. 2011. Yeah. Passed the, the Medical Marijuana Act passed in November 2010. The dispensary networking group, about 400 great individuals, got together in 2011. Everybody's trying to figure it out. 2012, the state finally issued a process. You guys won a license in? Um, southern Arizona, Tucson, just out on the edge of Tucson. Um, it was uh, an unusual location. There wasn't. It was sort of more or less remote. Um, and we ended up uh, able to get an agreement with uh, the local Shell station, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, uh, Shell's going to hate me saying that. But uh, anyway, the facility worked out well. It no, ended up it's 10 a, years ago. Yes, 10 <laughs> years ago. They, uh, they actually had a kitchen there that was a, a sandwich shop of some sort. So we saw an early opportunity to uh, get involved in infused products. Uh, those were the very early days. And uh, we ended up being the first kitchen, approved kitchen in the state. Uh, started As of 2013. 2013. I remember I this. You like guys were... January 11th or something like that, we got approved. I think you guys were like one of the first three dispensaries in the state of Arizona? We were the third. We were behind See, uh, I know. I did my research. Arizona Organics and uh, Saints, uh, Southern Arizona Integrated Therapies uh, was in Tucson. We were the oh, third. Oh, Ruben, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Myers. Yes. Bill Myers. Yes. Bill Myers and Ruben. Yes. Shout out to you guys if you're still around. <laughs> and you guys were just uh, making gummies at that time? No, at that time, actually, we didn't get into gummies for quite a while. We started with chocolate bars. We charted with... Uh, one of the first brands of Arizona. Yes. That's right. Yes. Not just one of the first dispensaries, Correct. but first brands. We were, we were among the first brands, yes. Um, I say because some of our brands have changed over time. Um, some have been renamed. Some have been made more appropriate. Uh, uh, but they've basically all been there. Uh, we started out the door at the beginning with making a variety of edibles. We felt like we needed to serve the industry. There wasn't really a whole lot of folks you could buy infused products from. Mm-hmm. So that uh, caused us to develop your, your standard brownie uh, products. We also uh, developed uh, some, you know, Rice Krispie treats. We I remember did, the Rice Krispie treats. We did some interesting things with popcorn. Uh, I remember the popcorn. Of, yeah, we had something. You guys were on the first cutting edge of everything. <laughs> we were. Is he Pop- loud enough over there? Popcorn is a little little challenging to make, but uh, yeah. We remember were, all this. This is long before you had to worry about things like testing and, and all of that sort of stuff, but uh, so we made a, some hard candies. We uh, uh, um, made tinctures, and we made a, a family of topicals. Um, we started out, as most did, using can of butter, uh, you know, actually using flour as the starting point. Yeah. And uh, although we shifted to concentrate about 2016, it was 
always our intent to, to be as whole plant as we could. So our focus has always been to use uh, non-winterized uh, raw cannabis oil, and we track the terpene. Non-winterized. Uh, non-winterized. I it's haven't a, heard that phrase. It's a, a Normally, winterization removes your fats, your lipids, and most of the other non-cannabinoid or terpene-related uh, content in cannabis oil. So it's a standard okay. practice to put them through that winterization process for additional distillation and mo- removal of those compounds. From our perspective, you know, we look at the plant and the value it provides. And, you know, as you know, in some respects, uh, cannabis is a giant black box. We know that there's this good that comes from it as the output. Um, we know that it's a plant that's been around for thousands of years. Yeah. And we know from, frankly, a lot of studies, but they're limited in terms of not having clinical trials, that individual cannabinoids or groups of cannabinoids can have certain uh, prominent effects. So our belief is we don't really fully understand what's in the black box, but we know it's good. And so we want as much of the cannabis product uh, represented in the final product as possible. And that's why we don't use uh, winterized um, um, oil. One other side benefit is those fats and lipids actually provide a terrific medium for the cannabinoids to reside in. And when it finally does make it into your digestive tract, it actually is better absorption. So you get higher bioavailability when you use that approach. And so th- this process is represented in some of your it's current products. pretty much everything with the exception of topicals. Mm-hmm. In the case of topicals, we've kept our tradition. And this is unusual. Uh, we've always used flour. So we do something kind of curious with it. We take our flour, we grind it up, um, and then we put it into the base oils that are used to make our suite of, of topical products. We allow the uh, cannabinoids to leach out in that heated base oil for a specific period of time at a particular temperature that enables us to not just partially decarboxylize the cannabis and take THCA and convert to THC, but we don't go through the full process. We retain the precursors, the THCAs, the CBDAs, the uh, CBGAs, and so forth. And those precursors... uh, are those acidic precursors of cannabinoids are actually been shown to also have very significant uh, effects when applied topically. And let's uh, before we get into the products and, and the science of it, which is which is I know you have a legendary reputation over the years as become as one of the experts, the science guys in the cannabis space. Um, let's go back a little bit to the history. So in 2013, uh, Halo uh, opens. You guys start your brand as well that year. And uh, let's let's go through how to where you're at now, because now I, I refer to you as one of the top mom and pop independent uh, brands groups in the industry. But let's get to let's you want to jump through that little sure you bet eight year period. <laughs> well, I, I can where say were you? <laughs> there was an enormous amount of learning yeah. that went on, and uh, you know we've made our share of mistakes, uh, but we've learned from it. Classic one would be uh, when you send off a, a aqueous product, whether it's a beverage or a hot sauce. Um, do you, you got act- some hot sauce over there? I'm right. sorry, what, what did you call the product again? Uh, either hot sauce or perhaps aqueous. A o- aqueous, yeah. Aqueous. Basically, principally having water as a major compound. Yes. Okay. And as, as many know, uh, cannabinoids don't particularly care for H2O. They're, they're bipolar in nature, and they want to run from, um, so for example, um, with a, a product that has a great deal of H2O content, you're going to have cannabinoids, unless you're using isolate or something that's otherwise been modified, you're going to be seeing those cannabinoids run away. And the first place they're going to go is the surface of a bottle. So, you know, one of the early things we learned was we weren't getting the amount of cannabinoids out of the product that we expected. 
And we worked with our labs and found out that it was still in the bottle attached to the glass. Well, this is one of those early lessons that when you're doing formulation, you, you're going to run across, you're going to learn. And it was that kind of thing and other things that, you know, we were, I would say, a couple years ahead of the testing protocols and the testing requirements because we were already doing that for years, really trying to understand where were the cannabinoids going, what was causing them to, to be retained or otherwise disappear. And that's turned into a lot of longer-term research to try to understand how the cannabinoids may or may not degrade based on a production, what happens with that product. Because the end result is really the critical thing, but you want to understand what happens when you bake something or, you know, mix it with something else. Obviously, you need consistency, and that's a challenge to get to. We, um, about a year ago, spent <clears throat> over $40,000 for, get, get, believe it or not, a low-end machine that all it does is cut brownies to a very precise size. Right. And I say it's low-end because you can buy one with more motors and more automation. But uh, to spend forty grand just on something to ensure that that brownie is exactly the right size. Precise dosing. You want to be certain that when it goes to testing, it's exact, that the customers get that consistency in terms of the product and the experience. And so we've been really focused on that for a long time. Uh, the products we developed over time um, have partially been driven by uh, industry demand, gummies. Uh, we didn't come to the market early with gummies, but we were very serious about the products when we introduced them. And in fact, there's two. Rice Krispie treats are gone. Rice Krispie treats are still around. Oh, they're still around. Surprisingly, that's a big favorite. People love them. I, it's a funny thing. Yeah. Popcorn's still around. Popcorn has gone away. There are Popcorn. other suppliers here in Arizona that. We well, you can bring them back, like Coke Classic. <laughs> it's one so day. hard to test that. Oh, is that the problem? It's so hard to test. Popcorn. Like a limited edition kind of thing. You bring it out and say it's only here you for a limited time. You got to pass testing with muster with the state. Now you could do yeah. it, test it, and accept the test results for whatever they are. <clears throat> but our focus has always been targeted processes. Uh, define the product. You know, we, we it's an anathema to us to have to ship a product with a different dosage label on it than was intended. Mm-hmm. You know, consistency mm-hmm. is a challenge, but it's it's a critical thing. Um, the, the the testing, as you know, is always a bit of a challenge. The Your labs will give you plus or minus 20%. Not all of them have exactly the same sample preparation methodologies. And so when we've done studies where we've sent brownies to, say, five or six different labs, we get somewhat different results. And understanding the realities of that yeah. is important in terms of trying to, you know, overcome it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my thing. I wore my thinking hat, by the way, because I, I knew this was, I mean, he's a high level dude. He's a wildcat. <laughs> he's a scientist. You know, this man is a, a tremendous asset to the to the cannabis world. Um, how yeah, does I that, really love how you know all the basics yeah, behind it. You no, know, he, He's the secret behind Halo. I mean, for years, everybody... <laughs> uh, the secret behind Halo is my well staff, educated. to be honest with you. I'm just, I'm the guy who points and shouts. Well, it's always important. Fly. It's important to have somebody behind the brand sure. that actually knows, you know, what the heck's going on and what the product is being put out on the shelves. Yes. Thank you. But uh, no, I'm trying you. to remember the, 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 there's been a few individuals I've gotten to know from Halo over the years, and they always just would show up at the meet events with great products, and everybody would rage about them. But you were, like, hidden stuff. I know you came to talk once. Uh, you know, it's hard to get away with all the other stuff we're doing, but I will be coming back. My, uh, We recently hired Susie Tracy into our marketing department. Uh, yeah. She has a lot of great experience. She's representative of the ads and the work we've been doing. And for those of us that have, uh, uh, those that have followed us over the years, we'll see kind of a new image that's evolving, a lot more emphasis on the younger folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, they're, they're a, a greater fraction of our consumers. And we just want to get it, it exciting. We, we believe it's a tremendous industry. We love the youth aspect of the culture. We've already talked about how it's wonderful to participate in something 
that it's the very beginning of. I mean, for you and me, maybe it doesn't feel like that yeah. because we've seen so much. But for folks that's starting now, it's like after a year, you're an old timer. Right. Be- because you've pretty much figured out a lot of stuff. And, and, and that's the cool thing is uh, the people I know today that I've been working with, I've seen my staff have children, buy houses, you know, I've seen their lives progress. It's family yeah. at that point. It is. It truly is. And it's, and it's good that you're doing this podcast so people can get to know who you are so they can bump into you at a conference or at a meet event and say, hey, Mary, I saw, I saw you about this. You were talking about aqueous. And, and that's interesting because other people don't use that word and I want to know more. And, you know, and then you can teach, which is part of the, it's also Socratic, Aristotle, Aristotle Plato type stuff. Yeah. You know, it's all about teaching the next generation. Until Alexander comes, I guess. Yeah, there something, you go. something like that. I remember my philosophy, Alexander, at the end. So right. where is so we're getting to where Halo is is today. So now Halo is as a as a mom and pop manufacturer, you're an independent manufacturer. I know you uh, put the retail uh, component to the side mm-hmm. uh, for somebody else to handle. So your energies are focused on manufacturing. Right. So after ten years, um, we looked at the market. We looked at where the industry was. We looked at adult use and what that had done. And we realized it was probably a pretty good time to consider uh, monetizing the, the license and what we had done. So we talked to about 10 different suitors, uh, a number of the big MSOs, a number of the smaller multi-dispensary operators in Arizona, and finally a couple small ones. We got nine different offers of successfully increasing price, uh, which caused us to think, well, there's an opportunity here. And finally, we sold to George Roop uh, down in Tucson. He had a substantial cultivation going i think he was working with prime leaf yep yeah shout out to george Roop. we like we love george george is great over there so tucson cannabis campus yes and his passion for flower mirrors ours for edibles Mm -hmm. but in talking to all these msos and and also to george we realized that a lot of folks really are so focused on the the flower the 68 percent of the market that flower represents yeah uh, and not not including you know concentrates and extracts and so forth so uh, that was really where his expertise and focus is. Mm-hmm. And when we talked to the MSOs who had kitchens, those that didn't, it occurred to us that they didn't really fully understand uh, the whole production aspects of a kitchen and the challenges of doing that, which is way different from flour. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, as we began to look at our team and talk about what we built, we realized that the nicest and best thing we could do without it actually affecting our sales price was to go ahead and spin the kitchen off. Mm-hmm. So we went into kind of a silent mode at that point. I love the move, by the way. That's brilliant. Thank you. I'm a licensing expert, and I love that. <laughs> Very well done. Well, we were lucky that George was agreeable to a long-term manufacturing contract yep. and uh, that we had strategic uh, views that were in parallel in terms of the market. But what this allowed us to do was actually focus on yep. infused products, topical products, um, uh, sublingual products, and so on. We also realized that we could develop that uh, staff expertise internally because we need to. And then most recently, uh, as part of our strategic plan, uh, we've determined that we're going to – we've just started construction. We expect a cons- uh, completion in mid-2023 uh, of a brand new – it'll be the largest in the state at the time, uh, over th- 7,000 square foot of uh, production and manufacturing space. So you guys are building a giant awesome. manufacturing center uh, – independently owned and you guys will be able to produce these wonderful products that you're constantly evolving with your level of expertise, laser focused. And you'll also be able to uh, white label and sub manufacture for other brands. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. So the the real opportunity for us is to provide 
an entry point for all the smaller players. We were a right. smaller player. We may have been early, but we were a small player. And there are bigger folks than, than we are, to be sure, out there uh, doing a great job. Some of them are out of state. Some of them are in-state brands. But uh, for us, in looking at the overall market, and, and you and I have a very similar view of the enormous opportunity um, provided that you can get the leg up. And the challenges with <coughs> uh, so many of the current infused brands is uh, they're either overwhelmed by the market, um, the m- amount of marketing to get visibility, now it's a fight for shelf space. All of those things are a bit of a challenge. Uh, from our perspective, though, to come into the state, whether you're a large national brand or even a small brand trying to get your legs here in Arizona, it's really challenging because you have to find a license to operate under. Right. And that can be expensive, more expensive than a small player could very, afford. Very, very, expensive. And in addition, you don't really have <clears throat> the um, fundamental infrastructure to support this through testing, quality control, um, the compliance issues of inventory management that do land on the dispensary licensee, but are now maybe shifted over to the sub-licensee, whoever it is right. making brands. Well, they can't really shift that off the responsibility license of the license holder. And one of the few little-known facts in our industry is there's been many hundreds of thousands of dollars of fines levied toward mm-hmm. dispensaries, cultivations, and and uh, uh, infused products vendors because they failed to meet statute. So, you know, we've built a team uh, that we believe can do that for these smaller brands. So our hope is hmm. uh, is to offer the facilities, including white labeling oh, for you'll small get dispensaries wanting to build brands, yes, as well as uh, out-of-state brands, regardless of their size, yes. that needs the infrastructure to support the development. They can do their marketing, put their energy where getting their message out is critical. We'll worry about the boring details. You're going to be like uh, America in the 19th century, like, give me your hunger, your poor. Oh, they're all going to come to you. <laughs> I, I was actually thinking, like, to myself to ask you, what would make the ideal partner? You know, what are you looking for? But I'm not going to ask you that because I just want them to all come to you. <laughs> and why? Because those who you realize aren't ideal partners, I know you're a good guy. So you'll, like, Mark Cuban on Shark Tank, you'll say, well, you guys really need to look at this and then come back and talk to us. Yep. But uh, there's tons of great mom and pops, visionaries, entrepreneurs, innovators in the state of Arizona, California, across the country, in other countries. There's stuff being created and evolving and experimented with. And, you know, it's the innovation. It's really the innovation that, that these smaller companies are able to do. Um, we've been doing some some really close look at the industry, and it's in, uh, the, the interesting thing about it is the the stories you see behind how some of these smaller uh, vendors came to be, these smaller uh, infused vendors, uh, you know, often is a very personal story about somebody who's had to deal with the care of a, uh, an elderly individual. In some cases, it's people who returned from a war zone and found that cannabis made a big difference in terms of quality of life. Um, but you see all these different stories of the smaller players and what motivated them to get into it. You can't not feel for them and feel for the opportunity that they've got the, uh, ahead of them. It's it's exciting to be able to, uh, frankly, rub shoulders with these people that have so much passion. Yeah, it's interesting because you, you do have the, the passion of the OG legacy you know, uh, community, which is, is very important, but you also have the science. And it's coming from both directions. There'll be the R&D labs, you know, scientifically understanding cannabis and coming up with this. Then there'll be the, the grandmother's recipe from some mountains in Mexico <laughs> yeah. that mixed rubbing alcohol and ginger and cannabis that somehow worked to heal. You know, just so there's 
all kinds of different uh, relationships with cannabis across the world. Yep. And as long as you're open-minded to both of them, you can, you know, they'll, they're all going to come to you and then you can figure out, well, which ones do I, I work with? And, and you can work scientifically to figure out which ones are the best, mm-hmm. which is, I think it's really cool. Does your manufacturing center have a name yet? Uh, we're just going to go with Halo Infusions. Halo you know, Infusions? Uh, they, you know, a greater minds than mine may come up with a better moniker in time. Yeah. Um, but uh, right now, that's just a brand. All of our other, the, the five brands that we currently make, Aunt Ellie's is a baked goods product. Uh, can of Confections is confectionery, chocolate, and those sorts of things. Pure and Simple is a, a beverage product line. Uh, Cannibalist is sort of a snack line where we do our hot sauces and our gummy products. Um, and we're getting ready to introduce a pet product line called Canine CBD Therapy. Nice. Um, we're very excited about that. We have a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, pet owners. A lot of people love dogs. And uh, our own experience with using tinctures in the past has uh, allowed us to come up with a very favorable formulation. We also have several other products in that product line, and you'll be seeing all of that in the early part of next year. And so um, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, email is the best way, I think you were saying? Yep. Murray.Stein at HaloInfusions.com. HaloInfusions. And we'll, we'll, uh, on our website will be your LinkedIn, Instagram, and all those other things as well. But I like making sure because people just real quickly want to email you. Because I, I think, it, you know, your, your guys' laser are focused on production. The fact that you have a manufacturing facility and your doors are open to innovators, ideas, entrepreneurs. It's a beautiful thing. That's the spirit of the cannabis industry. Well, I, it, it absolutely is. You know, the, when you mentioned the Community. science part, uh, <laughs> the science part, it's really important to us to understand what's in these products and what stays in exactly. these products. You know, as we've looked at the, the competitive market, there's a, a, a been a tendency, a move toward uh, putting in three cannabinoids, maybe four. Uh, putting them in a particular ratio of some sort and claiming some, um, you know, lifestyle benefit. Maybe it helps with your sleep, helps with stress, uh, gives you more energy and so on. Yeah. The challenge with this is there isn't really very much literature, if any, that talks about cannabinoid profiles in terms of ratios. So the idea of a THC to CBD ratio, I mean, we know CBD mitigates uh, the, the effects of THC, but we don't know to what extent. And when you look at the bioavailability of cannabis, THC, you're lucky to get more than 15% of the THC you consume into your system. The other is filtered out by your lungs. Mm-hmm. You can do things like sublingual uh, uh, approaches in terms of in the mouth and get some absorption, so avoid the, the first pass through the liver. Uh, but frankly, we're still always going to be dealing with a mere fraction of the amount of THC or CBD or whatever that physically makes it into our system. So you want to take advantage, you want to uh, manifest that and be on top of it so that you know what effects it has. But the reality is that there really isn't a lot of support for the fact that multi-cannabinoids do provide synergism. Um, there was a terrific study done in Israel a few years back where um, they were studying a particular type of cancer and they were doing this in a Petri dish to see if they could constrain the growth of the cancer. And they found that, that they were very effective at that in this particular case with cannabis, with, with cannabinoids. And uh, so they, they, they actually noticed after about six or nine months of research that it wasn't working anymore, that they weren't killing the cancer cells. So they looked through all their protocols. They checked everything in the lab. Uh, they looked at the, 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 the testing uh, methodologies. Finally, they went back to their cultivator, and they said, well, we've been using this particular strain for all this time. It's had this effect. What's going on? And the cultivator went through his records and said, well, we had to introduce a new phenotype. Uh, because whatever uh, the source of that cannabis, the mother plant or whatnot, was no longer available. 
And in switching to that different phenotype, they lost one of the cannabinoids expression. And the result of this accident, if you will, uh, showed them that those three key cannabinoids had a direct and significant effect on that particular kind of cancer. So we do know that they can work in concert, concert with each other. We do know that there's a lot of synergy between them. It, it's going to take a fair do, uh, amount of research to really understand that. Mm-hmm. For us, our goal is to put as many cannabinoids in the product as we can. Obviously, we have to test to the standards of THC or CBD, mm-hmm. note that on the product and so forth. But we want to maximize the minor cannabinoids. And in the case of our topicals, those precursors, the THCAs, CBDAs, and so on. I want, yeah. I want to put, you know, I, I, I have come that. to understand my substance use in coffee, coffee and over the last 10 years. Caffeine. And how I use caffeine as a drug, effectively at times and excessively at other times. <laughs> I really need somebody, I need the cannabis industry to study coffee. You know, could you imagine how we can evolve this? Well, I'll <laughs> say watch this space. We had a coffee product for quite a long time. Maintaining a coffee profile is very challenging. And, you know, the coffee affectionados, they, they come out of the woodwork when you do that. But you're really looking for a mainstream kind of person to really test those products. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have um, a brand new set of product line of our juices right. that will include a chai tea and then eventually, hopefully, Ooh. another coffee. Oh, yeah, we had great success. Chai tea. What you see here, though, is these were frozen beverages. So they're yeah. manufactured, they're frozen, and when you crack them open in the fridge, then they begin their formal shelf life. About the products, we're just starting to talk about the the big product selection you guys have with Halo, which, as we know, you know, coming from you, everything's high quality. And well, it always has been, but we we've never had a conversation this length. I've heard you in presentations talk about the science of the plant, but uh, and I know you have that OG love. Uh, and legacy market love for the plant as well. So yeah, I pe- love that. There's actually behind the scenes is is a team like George Roop, Tucson Cannabis Campus. Like you were saying, the the whole part of you know the product is from the flower. Yeah, but so. th- those companies that will survive, I believe, will be the ones that merge what people refer to as a legacy, the OG, the traditional, the markets that haven't even been discovered yet in the mountains of Thailand with the science, the R&D, what mm-hmm. the traditional Western world of, I don't know what you would call it, demands. You know, I'm, I'm more of like a plant-based alternative remedy guy now. I like to keep it simple. But I get there's the reality of standards and all this kind of stuff. So you got to merge the two. Sorry about that. But let's, let's, uh, let's get into some of the products that Halo has to offer now. Maybe we can start from this side over here. So right in front of you um, is a couple, uh, two of the three versions of a particular syrup we introduced a while back. Uh, the unique thing about these is they're really intended for use in cooking. They can be treated as a drink additive, uh, very accurate dosing with these. Um, a lot of people will use them to do meal prep. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of that extra vector beyond uh, uh, just using a syrup uh, to medicate with. So we found a lot of terrific recipes. Uh, a number of consumers of ours have come back to us and told us different things they've made. Uh, there's been a, quite a few articles focused on that. This is a, a, a different approach to uh, a tincture or syrup than you would normally see because of the unique taste profiles we've added through the addition of various ingredients. So this one's citrus, that one's herb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I what notice you say that they use it with cooking. So is there um, a certain temperature that needs to be like can, can it be 
I've heard if you have cannabis when you're cooking, if you make it too hot, it does it, it deactivates the THC. Well, is that what correct? What it'll do is it'll cause initially all of the all of the cannabinoids to degrade. Mm-hmm. Uh, THC itself, even given sufficient time and heat, will turn into something like CBN. Okay. So uh, you're going to have issues with degradation. Now, generally speaking, most of the approaches, most of the things you're likely to make with uh, with cannabis and with uh, extract is probably going to what do a reasonable job of surviving simply because the temperatures of cannabinoid degradation are typically higher than most of the production temperature used to make things. The question is what happens to the terpenes? Um, you know, because they don't necessarily stick around. They're very volatile. Um, the unique aspects of terpenes in our combination with cannabinoids is what's got a lot of industry excited because it's the logical extension of the entourage effect. And we know from experience, a lot of experience and a lot of studies, that the, uh, um, the aroma of cannabis, which is a result of the terpenes, mm-hmm. uh, that can have an impact on one's uh, um, just how you feel. It, limonene, which is a mm-hmm. classic uh, uh, concentrate, it's very lemony, sounds like lemon zest, actually boosts you know, your mood. So are these terpenes actually being felt in the same way once they're ingested? That's one of the big questions. But we believe so, based on our experience. And so one of the great opportunities is how do you find the ability to combine those terpenes and ensure they remain stable? And as you said uh, mm-hmm. earlier, Dimitri, it's what's going to come out of some other unique place, some other part of the world perhaps, that becomes mm-hmm. a, a combination, an additive to the cannabinoids to truly make them effective. Well, I'm a, syrup is my choice. You're going to have to leave one of these bottles here. because both. I I, re- <laughs> I realized back in 2013 when I was start, starting to understand and come to understand the cannabis space, the medicinal, true medicinal therapeutic value. I used to be kind of like addicted to NyQuil in college in the early nineties. That was all the study. And, and so I was like, I was like, okay, it's, it's natural. I can do, do some sprite. syrup. And I started to try the syrups and, and boom, I slept like a baby. Yep. I was like, and I was like, one day cannabis is totally going to replace NyQuil. And just, just that market alone is massive. I'm, I'm telling you, if you if that was my experience. If you're in an experienced uh, edible user and you take just a fraction of one of our gummies, mm-hmm. you have the best night's sleep ever. Yeah. If you're somebody who uses cannabis regularly, just have a whole gummy. Um, it's amazing what they can do when ingested. And you know, of course, when you go through your GI tract, they're there longer, so you have a more sustained experience. But I totally hear you about syrups. Uh, now, so so why is it why is it with syrups that it works better for me for sleeping? Because I've had gummies for sleeping, but they don't like knock me out. The syrups actually like, you know, I mean, I'm going to say I'm going to say that comes down to individual uh, uh, right? experience. But it takes more to digest. Well, in like the case that. of syrups, we use a glycerin base, like and we use it because um, in our experience, it's proven to be a healthier base. Yeah. it's easier to digest. Yes, uh, you tend not to have allergies with it the way you can with coconut oil and some other things, and there, it's clearly regarded as healthier. That appeals to my libertarian understanding of the world. It clearly comes down to you, Dimitri. Yes, I think so. <laughs> so what you've got in your hands there is a chocolate bar. That's Canna, a white chocolate bar. I like the milk chocolate. Can of Confections. Yes, that's one of our oldest brands. Um, We're going to ruin the display here as we go. <laughs> We're going to start the, eating it as we go. The unique aspect about these, because many people can make chocolate, um, is that we actually get the most expensive European Belgian chocolate we can. Uh, because of the fat content, which is frankly higher, but it just tastes better. So rather than just make mm-hmm. an inexpensive chocolate bar, we've always focused on the, the, you're going to have a small part of this. Let's let's go with quality. So most people who try them compare them to your more traditional American chocolates and find that they're they're, they're much tastier. These are available in 100 milligram and a um, 
believe a 500 milligram version, I believe we like have now. Like you guys go higher? Oh, yes. In fact, the, one of the biggest parts of the industry, believe it or not, this is toward the medical side, Dimitri, actually is the larger milligram products. They're among the best sellers today is 500 and 1,000 milligram products. You guys do 1,000 1, milligram products? We've got plans. Bar? We've got plans, yeah. That's right something I know that the industry, the medical industry looks for a lot. Absolutely, and it's been surprising for us to find out just how popular those are. They're, again, whether it's chocolate bars or a brownie, uh, if you go 1,000 milligrams, that's a key opportunity in our market today. And just and from for mar- uh, medical as well, because I think uh, legal market, you can't get... Um, no, absolutely not. I think the cap is at 500 milligrams. Actually, it's at 100. Is it a at 100? You're li- limited to 100 milligrams. Oh, poor you guys. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, um, it, I... It's not such a bad deal with something like chocolate because the adult use, if somebody really wants the extra kick, they'll either have more of that same product or they'll go to get our license, which is not near as expensive as it used to be since they've changed those rules. And when you look at the pricing of things, it's, it's smart to get your medical. It really is. You st- I a- absolutely agree. I, I really yeah. want to see the medical market and the medical side of it continue to evolve, the research, the yep. opportunity, the tax savings. I, I'd like to, personal goal, to try to get it down to zero our, tax our, for our medical. patients have That's always been, that, you know, that was the biggest motivation, I think, aside from our staff that caused us to do this is, you know, when we're working in dispensary, there's <clears throat> quite an opportunity when you walk through there and spend time there to be approached by customers. And I, I've lost track of the number of times uh, somebody's grandmother or great aunt has stopped me and then hugged me in tears because what we do, what many do in our industry, is actually provide relief. It changed it, the quality of her life. Yeah, definitely. And I wrote uh, down the potential bills. I have a list, zero tax on medical. There you go. We're going to get that. We'll get I that I think done. that would be terrific. I think it would be terrific uh, when rescheduling or descheduling occurs uh, that the VA, our veterans, are able to get it. And, yeah. and, and, and have it be paid for by taxpayer dollars. Mm-hmm. B- before we move on to the salsa, because I see the salsa's next, we're passing over Woodstock and and, <laughs> and, and, and Yoda. So just real quickly, have you, just I'm take a one-minute detour here, little squirrel. Have you looked at psilocybin at all? Have, have you, your expertise and your level of understanding things is, is astute, it's scientific? It's uh, I think psilocybin is incredible. Yeah. I think the future, uh, particularly dealing with uh, um, things like... Uh, um, Emotional issues, uh, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, depression. Thank you. Um, I'm not convinced the microdosing approach necessarily Mm -hmm. has uh, the impact. I mean, there's lots of discussion about it, but Mm -hmm. my reading and and uh, from talking to a lot of folks who who work in that industry or a few that work in industry, but have been involved in it for a long time, um, their view is you need more moderate dosing. You know, you're going to trip if if you're going to really get the benefit out of that. But it doesn't have to be something that plays you back for days. It's just, you know, a couple hours of a little bit of mild hallucination. Two grams. And the reframing of things, the way it it virtually rewires your brain is just really profound. So it's going to take state action uh, to make psilocybin happen locally, just as it has uh, just recently in Colorado. But I'm hopeful that by the time uh, we have universal availability of cannabis in this country, which is rescheduling or descheduling, the Biden administration has a charter to do that when they allowed for, frankly, a small number, but not an insignificant number of uh, federal cannabis convictions to, um, uh, to be reversed. Um, one of the things that Biden did is he directed the Department of Health Services to evaluate the effective use of cannabis. Mm-hmm. Spring of 2025. Yes. So there's still an opportunity, and I do think we'll see rescheduling or descheduling. 
and that will have a big impact. Spring of 2025. It's either going to be a Democratic president who's going to be like, okay, cool, whatever, or a Republican president who's like, okay, this is a business. Yeah. Let's just get it. I like take the revenue. Yeah. It, it just, it just, and then it's going to be over. It's going to be less. Yep. They're just going to want to tax but, but it. But I think psilocybin is one of those things that definitely is war- uh, warrants watching. Yeah. I think it's, it's, uh, Incredibly powerful. Yeah, well, I wanted, and we're going to, we have this uh, biannual psilocybin retreat to San Jose okay. del Pacifico. So you've earned yourself an invitation to it. <laughs> Terrific. So, yeah, I don't know in case you want to go. Oh, you have to come. It's lots of fun. It sounds it's like interesting. it's a group thing. Yeah. yeah, so let's move on to the salsa because that's pretty cool. So uh, these uh, actually were the brainchild of um, the uh, kitchen staff, and those guys are like engineers. You know, I spent uh, a number of years in Silicon Valley and, uh, with companies, uh, you know, in the computer industry that were driving their products. You know, marketing played a role, but it was the engineers who really understood the future. They were looking at the technology. And in some ways, our kitchen is actually a, a terrific font of information and guides because they're thinking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So these recipes actually emerged from them. Okay, well, we're, we're yeah, this guy wait, was involved. Let me say this correctly. Worcestershire. 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 <laughs> Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Right? Mm-hmm. Worcestershire. So this is actually a hot sauce. The other one you're holding, uh, Dimitri, is, mm-hmm. is a green one. And we have, uh, speaking to Salsa, we have some initial thoughts about a family of those products that we think would be very exciting. You know, it's interesting, specific to Arizona, how these have done so well here because it's Arizona. Uh, but we're very excited to develop these, uh, and we're looking at more. You guys That's have, like, taco parties and stuff? Uh, when they do a photo shoot, yes. <laughs> when they do a photo shoot. You know, that, that's interesting because my, you know that feeling you get in the back of your mouth when you're about to have like a candy or something or spicy sauce? I have like a double physical reaction to this. Well, you, know, I'm like, I'm like, you take them home spicy. and you try them. You, you got tell some me french fries out here. You can spicy. Okay. So and moving on to the, 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 we have currently four flavors of, is a frozen beverage. This is a hundred milligram. Um, I believe this is five ounces. Is that correct, Brandon? Eight ounces. Thank you. Um, and those are very successful. Uh, basically, they're delivered to dispensaries. They're maintained frozen on site, and then they sell to consumers who take them home, put them in the fridge, um, and they're retained there for a number of weeks. If they open them, then they've got about a week to consume them. And these have been really successful. So you're saying you could open it, take a few sips, and put it back in the fridge, mm-hmm. and then it's last about Correct. a week? Okay. Yeah, last about a week. So that, that – yeah, I've always wondered about the expiration date on things. A lot of people well, don't talk about that in the industry. They don't, but they're starting to have to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, our plans in terms of we begun uh, have begun labeling Best Buy used uh, by in, in a couple of our products, and that's extending across the product line over the next few months. Brandon's actually a major driver of that because safety is a consideration. You know, in the case of these frozen beverages, the production process involves uh, actually doing a kill step. A, a, um, we go through and do the pasteurization, and then they're filled into the bottles together with the cannabis uh, um, oil that we use. Uh, it's actually a tincture-type uh, a product in that manner in that the tincture includes formulation allows the cannabinoids to remain in suspension and then when that is added to the aqueous portion the actual juice itself we've done tests to make sure it stays there you can only put so much so many cannabinoids into uh, h2o before it just does its thing so it's you're like oil. is it like oil you know how oil sits on top yeah our actual uh, dosing methodology is using a glycerin base that we put the cannabis in but we also employ lecithin which is a common use in our industry. Lecithin becomes something that... What is that? Le- lecithin. L-E-C-I-T-H-I-N. Is that what I saw on here? You the, probably the, will see that. The old prosecutor in me takes two notes here. One is conversation, things that I need to get no, to, kind of track things, points and stuff. Mm-hmm. The other one is I create these like little circles, Google that later, 
<laughs> so I, I, I put it over here. Well, Google we, that. We use soy lecithin. There are other folks that will use sunflower lecithin, but it's a really common mechanism for binding the cannabinoids and trying to maintain them in solution. And as I said, aqueous products, even these two, have a fair bit of water in them. Even the hot sauces do. The exciting thing about the beverages, though, is it's a healthy mechanism uh, for a lot of folks who, you know, have issues with eating or whatnot. It's terrific. It also has a sublingual component. When you, when you drink a beverage, you slosh around your mouth a little bit, you get a measure of absorption from it. And so when my team, for example, participates in shelf life studies, they'll have a little bit of a sip, they'll spit it out. They're still wasted after an hour, you know, of testing, okay. uh, you know, 10 of these. It's they already hit their bloodstream. Sublingual administration is huge in terms of rapid onset of products. The exciting thing about these is we're working on the final stages of getting ready to introduce a new uh, version of these products. They're actually going to go into a different bottle, but we're using a hot fill method. So we go directly from pasteurization to bottle fill at temperature at uh, several hundred degrees or approaching several hundred degrees. goes into a glass bottle that's been pre-nitrogen filled, right. which ensures that you don't have a, a whole lot of air in it that uh, reduces microbial. And those will be refrigerated, ready to drink. So those are glass. There's a plastic over here, plastic though. Now, but you'll see a new line uh, with the same names coming out that are going to be refrigerated, ready mm-hmm. to drink, which we think will be far more consumer friendly, give you a substantial shelf life, refrigerated, and so on. So are these refrigerated? Uh, they are now because they've defrosted, but they would they would normally be frozen when they're delivered, and oh, consumers will purchase them frozen. It's not as convenient as buying something that's refrigerated, which is a, a major factor. So we'll complement this set of beverages with a chai tea formulation we've done, which has been very popular in the past. Chai tea. All else being equal, um, glass, plastic, or metal containers, which is the best? I'm not glass. a fan of, of, of metal. That's a good um, question, right? Yeah, I, th- I think glass, personally. Cannabinoids can have some challenges sticking to, to aluminum-type materials mm-hmm. uh, or, or something that's coated aluminum. Um, but, you know... There is a recycling aspect about the metal containers that mm-hmm. I, I very much favor. Uh, glass is oh, another nice. reason that yeah. I, I like it. Um, you, I think in the coming years, there'll be far more focus on sustainable packaging. Mm-hmm. But for now, the glass bottles give us the ability to do a hot fill. Mm-hmm. I could use bottles like this, but I would be concerned about warping or other impacts of plastic. And the reality is, you know, plastic is not really my favorite type of packaging or anything for that matter it's uh it's kind of cheapy feeling over versus feeling. glass tell yeah. me something because as as, I, as i'm learning more from you when 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 other brands who have a great story and a great idea come to you to white label will you also help them enhance their we will work with them scientific understanding to of whatever the, extent they need a uh, part of our plans for the new kitchen involves a testing lab and yeah family. It won't be there to meet statutory requirements, but it'll be there to do intermediary testing of products so they know exactly what they're putting in there. But basically, we'll provide whatever level of service. We expect that we're going to have some folks we may work with that they're going to have their own team come in, right. use specific set of parts of the kitchen for their facility, but they'll operate under our compliance requirements, our inventory management yeah. requirements, and so on. So we'll be standing there to audit what they do. I think in many more cases, we'll have folks that will come and say, I've got this great okay. idea for a product. I want to do so-and-so. And then we'll use, uh, it's not just our manufacturing and our technical prowess that can support them, but also we have a distribution system already yeah. set up, and they'll be able to rely on that for making uh, uh, abs- uh, Absolutely. You guys going to have a waiting list out the door. I mean, you know, so, so a company, I mean, there's great guys out there with great products, you know, the 420, not 420, but 420 is great too, that 40 ton who's coming this way, mm-hmm. you know, Beard Bros is coming this way, and, and they're going to say, well, you know, 
we don't want somebody just to hand us a key to get a little thing or to turn our brand over to them. We want somebody with the level of expertise because look at this. So they know that when working with you and your manufacturing center, they also get the right their eyes. And they, they know that. They write that into the contract. We're going to talk about that a lot because our license holder, George Roop, yeah. uh, is going to make sure we do. So our contracts basically place liability and burden on us right. to ensure right. that he's kept safe. And happy, and that's that's you know I think he's willing to do that. Has been willing to do that because of the expertise we've developed. Yeah, no, yeah. of course their names behind you know the mm-hmm. brand. Of course people want to, they people care what's mm-hmm. being put out there. I know you know a person like George Roop, of course. So yeah, we're we're down to like the last two or three minutes. So let's go through these yeah. other brands. So a couple other products. Other so products. I'm holding up here. This is a, a sour gummy product we introduced re- uh, recently. Again, very different formulation than what you're used to. These are the ones. Uh, when I bring them close, and what's going to uh, really? When I bring them close, I'll have that big <laughs> reaction. You know what I'm saying? It's so weird. Well, you need to turn it around though. You know, but uh, no, I just, I just know it's coming. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You know that? Feel that? These these are the ones that are going to get you very excited though. These are spicy. Uh, we use habanero with these, and you know I. I grew up in an adjacent state, so I don't know uh, quite the experience with spicy candy that uh, so many of my um, employees do. But these spicy gummies are considered spectacular. Really looking forward to hearing about that. And then the other things that we've got just over to the side here, there's a, a brownie, which is a you know classic packaging. Oh, there's that brownie we were talking there's about. That brownie. Uh, this is 100 milligram. You know, it's got lines on it to designate the dosing. If anybody's really that worried about it. Oh wow! Can you just cut it up at your. You can cut it, cut up. Yep, and that's according to meet uh, to meet state requirements. And then next to that is uh, some topicals and tinctures. As I mentioned, uh, we're very focused on whole plant. So we go to a lot of effort to uh, work with uh, crude. Uh, canvas oil or with flour in the case of our topicals. So these represent different sizes of the three core topical and tincture products. Mm-hmm. THC rich, which means that we're going to target THC for the dosage on it, but carry along all of the minor cannabinoids. So you might actually get a percent or two of CBD in some cases. Mm. Then you have CBD rich. We're taking using actual hemp material, hemp CBD oil or hemp flour, same processes to produce those. And in the middle and this is really where we think the emphasis should be, is one-to-one. It's relatively easy to hit that using crude material, where 65% of our material is THC, and the other 35% is all the other stuff, lesser cannabinoids, uh, terpenes, terpenoids, flavonoids. Almost 10% of cannabis can be flavonoids, so which what? now shows been shown to have anti-cancer properties. I'm learning so much from you. Just I know. Saying, <laughs> like these words you're throwing out there, I'm like, okay, go Google that later. Well, we're just I so know excited. the laws. <laughs> we're so excited about what's in this plant, and we want to get it out, and we're able to do that really effectively with the flower. I mean, uh, you know, I I, daily, I, can vouch, I will go to a dispensary, and I'll I can talk. vouch for that stuff, by the way. Thank you, because... Yeah. Uh, we will. T- I just recently in a, a dispensary a local to us in Tucson, we we've been trying to get our topicals in there, and of course they've got other products they carry. And I said, look, I'm going to send some samples over. You give these to your mom, who you've told me you have arthritis. If she's happy, you give me a call. Well, we got an order two weeks later. Yeah. And it's just because of the experience. So if you've had mm-hmm. aches and pains, really, it's it's topicals are amazingly effective at doing that. Really, truly are. And yeah. this one and our one to one product are are really the most successful. No, that one's amazing. I have I have a little mild arthritis myself, so you know, I use it for my back, my hands, everything. And we haven't got into a lot of the unshackle stuff today, which is like the little ins and outs, secrets, a lot of stuff we could talk about well, the that's industry. So you'll bring me back. No, I mean, but 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 this is the reason why we created Me to Unshackled or, or Me to Podcast because people don't. I know you a little bit. I know Murray's the expert over there. You know, he's got great products. He's chilling in Tucson doing his own thing, but now. 
we got a chance to set you out to the world digitally. There might be some random person in Australia who picks this up. You never know what's going to happen digitally, mm -hmm. but we got the honor of presenting you to the cannabis community in general, which is, which is thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And let us know what we can do to help you guys. Um, you're going to have a line out the door of people looking to white label and manufacture with you. Um, hopefully you'll give some of the underdogs a chance Lift them up, you know, gotcha. be the nice shark on Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. And that was another episode of Mita Unshackled. Yes. <laughs>